Shema Yisrael. Welcome to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries with Aaron Budgen. Aaron discovered Jesus is his Messiah while preparing to be a rabbi. He now teaches for several organizations and is the teaching pastor for Living God Ministries. Strongly distinguishing between the Old and New Covenants, Aaron presents the scriptures from a Judaic and historical frame of reference. Join Aaron now as he reveals the reality foreshadowed and the new life we can now experience because of what the Lord Jesus accomplished for us. I'm presenting a series of programs on the subject of tithing, and today's program is a continuation of the previous broadcast. Now, in the previous broadcast, I was just laying out some preliminaries. I was explaining the general position that I have, and that is that I do believe in tithing. However, what people are teaching today, in my opinion, is not tithing. They call it tithing, but it's really something else. What I believe people teach about tithing today in general is nothing more than extortion. That's what I believe it is. But there is a tithing in the law, in the scriptures. There is tithing there. It does have a place, and it does have a purpose. I do believe in that. And I want you to know that I do believe in giving money and other resources to ministries for the purpose of the perpetuation of the gospel. I do believe in these things. What I do not believe in is I do not believe that you are under a commandment to give anybody anything. I don't believe that in the context of tithing. There are a lot of people who do, and so I want you to know that I do stand relatively alone when it comes to this subject. There are some people who are in a position that is similar to mine who do take a similar position that I take, but they generally are not as strong as I am, especially when I call people extortionists. People are not normally willing to go so far as to really call it like it is, and tell people what is really going on, in my honest opinion. But in this program, I'm going to go ahead and proceed. I'm going to proceed, and I'm going to talk to you about tithing. I am going to do that. In order to do this, though, I am going to have to explain some very important preliminary things. I'm going to have to explain some things. And the reason why I have to explain these things is because people just don't know these things. That's why I have to explain these things. I have to explain why the tithe was necessary, why it was necessary, and what it was used for. In order to do that, I have to explain the economy and the society that the people functioned in in Israel. I have to explain that. Now, this is going to be one of those programs that you're going to listen to, and you're going to wonder, when am I ever going to get to tithing? This is going to be one of those kinds of programs. But please take the time to listen to this program from start to finish, because in the end, you will understand why I have to go through all of this preliminary stuff, why I have to explain all these details. You will understand when I am finished. Okay, to begin, I need to start, of course, with Genesis chapter 3, because this is where things got started. In Genesis chapter 3, Adam and Eve fell in the Garden of Eden, and God gave the punishment. He issued the punishment for their disobedience in the Garden of Eden. When they ate from the wrong tree, they experienced the spiritual death that God said that they would experience. And, of course, the gospel is that our God has provided us with the forgiveness of sins through the Lord Jesus so that he can restore to us 
the spirit of life that had been lost in Adam, that is the good news. And of course, because there is no sin left unforgiven, the life of God being restored to us will never be lost again. It is by definition an eternal life. But there was more that happened after that. You just keep reading and you will discover that the Lord our God cursed Adam and Eve with a number of things. And these curses are somewhat misunderstood. They're not exactly a curse in the sense that he is going to execute further punishment. The fact is, is that he had to change a lot of things in this world, on this earth, in us. He had to make some significant changes. And in some ways, those curses can actually be considered to be blessings. It depends on how you look at it, though, because I understand that we are not interested in pain and suffering, and these curses involve pain. The woman will have pain during childbirth. The man will have pain through working and through labor. I understand that. That's not what I'm referring to in the sense of be blessed for your pain. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is is that because of the way that things were restructured, what he did and what he declared and what he said we would experience, what he said we would experience is something that is to our benefit in other ways. I'm not going to get into that in this program. I'm going to try to stay focused on one of the aspects of this curse and explain how this leads up to the necessity of tithing. The aspect that I want to focus on is what our God said to Adam. When he was speaking to Adam, he told Adam, you are going to have to work. You are going to have to go out into the field. You're going to have to engage the land. You personally, with your hands, and you are going to have to pull up weeds. And it is going to result in sweat. This is what is going to happen. Now, there are two very important things that I want you to see here in this context. And that is that there is land involved and there is labor involved. You have land and you have labor That is what our God left us with when we left the Garden of Eden. Now, with land and labor, you can build an entire economy. You can build an entire city, a whole civilization, a country. You can build a society of any kind, practically. With land and labor, you can do just about anything that you can do here on earth. This is very important to see, and the reason why it's so important is because most people have no concept of this. When people engage the world, they are normally thinking in terms of where are they going to find work. That's what people usually think. They usually wonder, where am I going to go in order to find work? How am I going to find work? How am I going to do something so that I can earn something that would be recognized as tangible wealth so that I can acquire the things that I would like to have, things like food or clothing or energy or shelter. People are normally thinking and they're normally focused on their labor. And by doing this, they tend to exclude the importance of land. But this is definitely something that you do not want to exclude. You really need to understand the importance of land in order to understand the importance of the subject of the tithe. You have to understand how land and labor are used together in order to build civilization and in order to maintain civilization. 
And I have to explain this because a lot of people that I encounter are simply unaware of this. They have no concept of this at all. Now, there are other ways to resolve this curse that has been imposed on humanity. This curse of you're going to have to go out and work for a living. There are other ways that people approach this. One of the ways that people approach this is they try to find a way to live off of the labor of someone else. And there are many ways to accomplish that. Many ways to accomplish that. One of the ways is through theft. You just steal whatever somebody else has. That's one way that you can accomplish that. There are subtler ways to handle that. You can use something called fraud, which means you engage in a promise, but that promise turns out to be a lie. You are lying. They are telling the truth. You are the one who benefits, and so you are the one who becomes victorious in the situation, even though you did it dishonestly. Either way, one person had something, another person acquired it or acquired a portion of it by being deceptive and by being dishonest. So living off of the labor of someone else is one of the ways that people escape. They escape this curse that has been placed on humanity. And I'm just giving you two simple examples. There are many, many examples, but that's not the purpose of this program. What I want you to consider is that this is the big picture, that first of all, our God has put us in a situation that we are going to have to labor There are people who are not going to do that, but in order to survive, they're going to have to live off of someone else's labor. And this creates situations, this creates circumstances of conflict. And when there is conflict, there needs to be some kind of resolution to these conflicts. And who is it that is going to resolve these conflicts? That's generally the government, and from a big-picture point of view, that was the purpose of the Levitical priesthood. The purpose of the Levitical priesthood was to resolve the conflicts that would inevitably take place between the Israelites amongst themselves. When these conflicts erupted, they would need someone that they could go to in order to resolve these conflicts, and that was what the Levitical priesthood was for. Now, how do you value land. I mean, if we are talking about an economy that is defined by land and labor, then how do you determine the value of the land? I mean, the value of the labor is pretty simple. If you have a million people and one-tenth of them are willing to work, then that defines your labor force, and you can use supply and demand fundamentals in order to generally determine the value of the labor based on what they are able to produce. There are ways of determining that, but I'd like to focus on the land for just a minute because that is the most important aspect of an economy when it comes to the need for a governmental infrastructure to be able to resolve conflicts. But how do you value the land? You know, today land is valued in many different ways. One of the ways that land is valued is by the amount that people have in savings, what people have been able to save, what they have in terms of their wealth. During different times in history, there has been a certain group of people who had a lot of savings and another group of people that did not have a lot of savings. And sometimes those who had a lot of savings had the ability to have more land than those who didn't have any savings or had very little 
and they were able to buy up more and more land because they had the money to be able to acquire it. And so those who had very little were unable to compete with those that had a lot. This was very common in feudal systems, in systems that were similar to feudal systems. So that's one way that people have been able to value land throughout the course of history. Another way that people have been able to value land is through how much money a person can borrow. In recent times when this recording is being made, a lot of land, a lot of property is valued by how much money people are able to borrow. If you were to look at the land that's being bought and sold or the homes that are being bought and sold, you would see that their valuation is very much attached to interest rates. It's determined by how much money people can afford to borrow in order to pay for that property. But another way of measuring it is through something called productive capacity. And what that means is, is that the land has a certain amount of capability. It has a certain amount of resources. It might have certain minerals. It might have water. It might have trees growing on it. And, of course, it may depend on what kinds of trees are growing on it. The value may be determined by its accessibility. What does it take in order to get to it? How far is it from your place of residence? There are different ways of valuing the land based on its productive capacity. What I mean by that is that the land is there and can be used to produce things. And when those things are produced, then those things have to be taken from the land and delivered somewhere else. That's why its proximity is very important, proximity to where you live or where industry is taking place. Because you have to transport whatever it is you produce on this land. You have to transport it and move it to somewhere else so that people can make use of those resources that are grown or that are mined or that are produced with this property. But productive capacity is a very important measurement. But of course, sometimes this is skewed. It is skewed by the additional amount of money that can be brought in through borrowing. But another form of skewing has to do with generational wealth. And this is something that the Israelite community were protected from through the year of Jubilee and through other mechanisms that the Levitical priesthood oversaw. Generational wealth is a very serious matter when it comes to land. The price on the land might exceed what the land can be used for in order to produce wealth within a person's lifetime. For example, if you have 40 acres of land, and let's say that it's really good productive farmland, it can be used in order to grow crops because it has very high quality soil, just to give you a simple example. And there's a lot of water available to that land in order to grow these crops, either because it falls from the sky or there might be a reservoir nearby, something like that. Either way, the important thing to understand is that this can be very productive land. But let's assume that you work the land and you are able to obtain a profit from this land. If that profit multiplied by 50 years, if that profit multiplied by 50 years is less than the price of that property, then its value is measured in ways beyond the land's productive capacity. 
It is measured by the ability to borrow money. It's measured by the quantity of certain people's savings, probably not your savings, probably somebody else's savings. But either way, the point is, is that land is extremely valuable and you need to know how to value it. You need to understand that if you are going to be able to use your labor in conjunction with land that you own in order to produce wealth. All wealth comes from the land. The trees come from the land. The water is accessible through the land. All metals come from the land. Iron, lead, tin, aluminum, magnesium, gold, silver, all comes from the land. Food comes from the land, whether it is the grain that people grow or it is from the animals that graze off of the land or who are fed from the land. All wealth is derived from the land in conjunction with your labor. Now, very few people, comparatively speaking, own land. Most people depend on their labor, but their labor has to be attached to land or depending upon the nature of the economy or what they're doing, it has to be attached to some other form of capital. It has to be attached to machinery or it has to be attached to other raw materials that came from the land. Labor and capital put together that when combined can provide people with an opportunity to really work. And of course, they need land in order to do this work on. They have to have some space to do it then you can understand the importance of it. Otherwise, you're going to have to just simply focus on your labor and effectively sell yourself to someone else who has the capital resources. Ask them for a job, in other words, so that they will give you a portion of what you are able to develop. And, of course, they're not going to pay you what you're worth because they need to obtain a profit. So you have a value depending upon what you can actually produce. They give you a percentage of that value, and they keep the rest. And it's important for them to do that because if they don't do that, then it's not worth it for them to even hire you. It's not worth it to them. Why would they bother doing that if they're going to end up giving you all that you are worth, and they're not going to be able to keep any of it. This is very important because they're the ones who are probably assuming all of the risk of success or failure. This is an important thing to understand. But in the Israelite society, this is how the society ran. People had land. Everyone had land. Everyone had rights to property except for the Levites. Now, I'll explain that in another program. But everyone had rights to the land. Now, there were situations when people would lose their rights to the land temporarily, and I will explain those situations probably in the next program. But the year of Jubilee provided people with an opportunity to return to their land, return to their land so that they could start over once again. And the entire economy was structured with the expectation that the Jubilee would take place. And it was the responsibility of the Levitical priesthood to ensure that the year of Jubilee was enforced. Now, what I would like you to consider is that there are other ways to value land. I'm going to focus on these aspects. The first aspect I'm going to focus on is that you need a place to be. That's what you need. The Israelites needed a place to be. If you do not own any land of any kind, then you have no right to be Anywhere, 
You have no right to be anywhere. If it's not yours, then you have no right to be there. For example, consider where you are now. Where are you now? Are you in a park somewhere? If you're in a park, that park is probably owned by the city or local government. Some parks are owned by the federal government. Some parks are privately owned. Either way, if you're in a park, chances are you don't own that park. What about being in a grocery store? If you're in a grocery store, then do you own that land? No, you don't own that land. Somebody else owns that land. Are you in an automobile? Then you are on a public road, probably. It is the city, it is the community that owns that land that you are driving on. And if you don't believe me, break some of the laws that govern how you are supposed to behave on that property and you will discover that you do not own that land that you are operating your vehicle on. Somebody else owns that land and they say that you have done something inappropriate and they're going to require you to compensate them for your inappropriate behavior on that land. Do you own a home? Well, that depends on how you define owning a home. If you still owe money on that home, you don't own that home. You may own it in a certain sense, but as far as the bank is concerned, if you don't pay them to stay there, they are going to take it. And then you will have no right to be there at all. And so you must have land of some kind in order to have a place just to be, just to exist, just to have some place that you can exist as an individual. You must have some ownership of that. For the Israelites, that was the number one purpose, the most important purpose for having land so that they could be somewhere. The next important purpose or the next important thing that I want to express is that you need a place to store your stuff. And of course, some people have more stuff than other people, but you need a place to put your things. And the Israelites learned this. They learned this when there was the time of plenty during the days of Joseph, and then there was the time of little during the famine that resulted and the Israelites moving to Egypt and eventually becoming enslaved there. It is very important to understand that during the times when there is plenty, you must put aside a portion of what you have or what you're able to acquire for the times when there is little. Because if you do not do that, then when there is a time that there is little, you can very easily find yourself in a situation where you have to sell yourself as a slave and hope that somebody will buy you or hope that somebody else will take care of you. Being able to store your stuff is very important for your own personal freedom, safety, security, and future. And of course, the future for your children as well. So you need a place to be and you need a place to store your stuff. And you need the ability to create wealth. You need that ability. You need the ability to produce through your labor. That's how it's done. You take the land and labor, put them together, and wealth is generated from that. If you have the land but you can't put in the labor, you're not going to get anywhere. If you have the labor but you don't have the land, you're not going to get anywhere. You need both in order to fulfill what God said in Genesis chapter 3. It goes back to Genesis chapter 3. And so please understand that land was vitally important for these reasons. That was the focus 
of people's lives during this time in Israel. This was their focus. And so when the Lord gave them this land, he gave them the land of Israel. How did he describe it? He described it as an inheritance. Go through the scriptures and you will see the numerous references that he makes to the land as an inheritance that he gives to the children of Israel. What would that mean? It means many different things. One of the things that it means is that the land is so valuable that they cannot save enough in order to acquire it, to recover in their lifetime from the productive capacity through the productive capacity of the land and also combining that with their labor. The land was so valuable that the only way that they would ever be able to acquire it would be if he gave it to them. That was the only way. They were never going to be able to buy it for themselves. And to steal it through warfare is a form of theft. It really is. And would technically be a violation of the commandments of God. But what he did was he said, I am going to give it to you. And through the transaction, you are going to work with me to pass judgment on these evil people who are violating the true and living God by the way that they live and by the way that they are, how they worship, what they believe, things like that. And so there's a lot more going on here than just giving the Israelites the land. It was given to them as an inheritance because there was no way that they would be able to acquire it in any other way. And you can understand this if you understand the nature of generational wealth and how difficult it has been for many people throughout the course of history to acquire land. This is why there has been so many struggles concerning the lives of people throughout the course of history from an economic point of view, from a social point of view. This is why there has been so many struggles, why there has been war, why people have suffered, why there has been starvation. This is why. It's important for you to understand what it means to have land as an inheritance, because if you do not understand this, you are not going to be able to fully appreciate why God described the land as an inheritance for the people. It's also important for you to see and understand the purpose for the year of Jubilee, because the year of Jubilee was necessary in order to allow people to recover to allow them to rebuild their lives or to allow their children to build new lives for themselves in the event that there was failure in the land. And I will continue in the next program. You've been listening to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries. You can hear all of our programs for free through our radio archive at livinggodministries.net. That is livinggodministries.net. Do help us develop new radio programs and continue broadcasting on this and other radio stations. Send your contributions to Living God Ministries, P.O. Box 383-53, Colorado Springs, Colorado, 80937. Or use the donation link on our website, livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net. 